100 meter gap straight down the ground. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. And the Ashes series is all over. It's been tied 2-2 after England won another thrilling test match here at the Oval by 49 runs. Australia, in the end, couldn't quite get the job done after a very strong start on day four. But it was a day of captivating cricket where both sides took the advantage at different times. My name is Josh Shonafinger, joined for one final time in this series by Louis Cameron. And Louis, what did you make of the series finale? Well, first thing, when I got out of bed today, I hit my head on a door frame and so I just kind of felt like, and I've just kind of had this lingering kind of thing going on today. And I was just like, I bet Australia are going to win the Ashes while I've got a suspected concussion. <laughs> and it didn't quite happen that way. I'm, I'm probably glad because I'm not sure if I'm, you know, completely sane right at the moment uh, after seven and a half weeks on the road. So an all-round bad day then? Uh, all, I mean, I'm okay. I don't think I do have concussion. But, yeah, I mean, it was a it, – it's hard to say it's a bad day for Australia because I thought they really, really fought well and the mistakes they made earlier in this test uh, is what cost them today. I actually think it was a good day for Australia. They really – I mean, to make 334 – in a final innings of a test on a pitch that mm. was playing a bit of tricks there by the end. Uh, really good effort, I thought. Uh, we can go into some of the reasons why they lost this test. But, uh, look, it was England's It was England's day. You know, Broad's fairy tale gets the final two wickets. Um, and, you know, Moe and Ali going out on high as well. So um, it was England's day. But, um, you know, enough for Australia to hold their heads up high, albeit with, you know, some – some things I look back on as as Pat Cummins called them, missed opportunities. Is 2-2 a fair reflection of the series, do you think? Well, it's what I predicted, Josh, so I think it's a fair reflection. I can't believe I got it right. It was all on the line going into it. For the viewers, Josh is looking at me just like, oh, I can't believe he got this one right and I didn't. What does uh, this mean for me now that I got the prediction wrong? Well, well, I think you need to resign as host of this podcast, unfortunately. Yeah, we're, we're just going to have to find someone else. It's it's a disappointing day for you. I mean, ultimately, you're the biggest loser out of <laughs> out of today, Josh, and, and I'm the biggest winner. Um, but, yeah, 2-2, two, two, we, we got the rain. So, um, But it could easily have been 3-1 if things would be slightly different for Australia. I'll hold the press conference in just a few <laughs> moments. Uh, Australia started the day at none for 135. And as a lot of fans in Australia switched on with high hopes, it was pretty quickly that uh, they lost a couple of wickets. Chris Wokes was the main destroyer, getting David Warner and Usman Khawaja both very early. Warner finished with 60, Khawaja with 72. And before much longer, it was Manus Labuschagne edging off Mark Wood for 13. However, from there, Steve Smith and Travis Head put on a really good partnership, 95 runs, I think, in the end it was. And they got to lunch where the rain hit again just because we haven't had enough rain in this series it washed out most of the middle session before we were given an extended 47 over final session where Australia needed 146 runs with seven wickets in hand anyone's game but unfortunately England came out of the blocks on fire it was Head who went first and Mitch Marsh followed both to the bowling of Moen Alley Steve Smith then fell as well to Chris Wokes as the nail appeared to be heading into the coffin Carey was putting up a bit of resistance and in the end it was uh, Stuart Broad who put the finishing touches on with the final two wickets, fittingly in his final test match, Australia all out for 334, 49 runs short of England and what was another great test match, finishing, as we said, 2-2. So where do we begin wrapping up today? I mean, there was a lot of talk about the ball. Yeah, I think that's a very fair place to start. I spoke to Usman Khawaja before and he was pretty dirty on it, um, let's be honest. Uh, maybe we could hear from him about what he thought about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I walked straight up to Kuma straight away. I said, that ball is nothing like the one we've been playing with. I mean, I could see riding on it. It's hitting my bat. It felt harder than any ball I faced throughout this whole Ashes series, to be honest. And I've opened the batting against a new ball every single time, and it's just hit my bat so hard. I know Woody was bowling, but I faced Woody before. So I said, I don't know what's going on. That ball is nothing like. I said, you've gone from an old reversing ball to a brand new ball. Look, felt like it looked like it was about eight overs old, swinging conventionally and hitting the bat hard. Um, and then I asked, actually asked Joel again today, I said, how are we using this ball right now? It's, it's so new. And he said, look, there was nothing else in the box. And personally, I think if there's nothing else in the box that can match the ball you have, you can't really change it. It's, uh, it's a bit frustrating as a batting unit because we worked our backsides off for it 35, 36 overs or whatever it was when they changed the ball. As an opener, you work, you work so hard to get through there, then you're facing a new ball again. It'd be pretty tough. And, Felt like that ball. That ball was 95 overs into it. It was still swinging, hooping, bouncing. So, unfortunately, that's the hand you get dealt sometimes in cricket. It may not feel fair, but you know, hopefully, there's some learnings out of it. And hopefully, you know, I guess the ICC can look at it and try to improve that ball changing process. So, pretty strong stuff from Usman Khawaja. Basically, saying that he knew the night before that you know when they changed the ball. I think that only 11 overs, 11 balls, I should say, got bowled with that ball uh, the previous evening, the, n- the night of day four. Uh, but straight away, it was knew that that ball was significantly different. It, it, you could see it. I mean, we've seen the, the videos on uh, or the pictures on social media comparing the old one to the new one, and it was behaving very different. I mean, all of a sudden, you had uh, guys catching behind the wicket when it was all catches in front of the wicket to that point. Uh, this isn't a spirit of cricket thing or an England thing or a whinging Aussies thing. This is a match official problem, right? So whether the umpires actually got it wrong or not, uh, basically what Kawaja said was that he, from what he could tell, what was inside that box were not was no ball resembling what England had been using. So it was a an old scuffed up ball that was just showing a little few signs of reverse. Yeah. There was no ball in that box for them to, to pick one mm. out of. So they picked one, the closest one they could. Uh, but the fact, I mean, that it was swinging after 95 overs at the very end of uh, Australia's innings. New, uh, England could have taken the new ball, uh, but they didn't because Moen Alley was bowling really well with the old one and Stuart Broad was still hooping uh, yeah. this old ball. Um, that was not a 95-over ball by the end of it. Um, so, I mean, there, there is that. Uh, but, you know, credit to, to England. Uh, Wokes bowled an incredible spell today. Stuart Broad came in at the end and Moen Alley on one leg uh, took three wickets as well. That had nothing, you know, especially Moen Alley, that had nothing to do with the ball. Well, Chris Works, why don't we start there? He began the day with two wickets and Australia lost two for six in the first 5.2 overs to begin the day. So it was a pretty horror start. And then as soon as the rain hit, it was Wokes who was given the ball to pick it up again after that break and he took another two wickets, which ultimately won him the player of the match award and also the player of the series of a remarkable feat considering he came in only for the third test, finished with uh, 21 wickets, I believe. So a great result from him, an amazing effort from Wokes. And today he just had the ball on the string as again. He did, yeah, and hit the winning runs as well in Headingley in terms of that Player of the Series award. He was fantastic. It's the best I've seen him bowl. Uh, probably haven't seen the best of him in the Ashes till now, I reckon. Uh, and I think I got the sense that it was just a really big uh, spell from him. The control he had, the uh, swing that he was getting away from the right-handers. Uh, he's got that wobble seam in his arsenal. Uh, and, I mean, he probably should have been playing over Jimmy Anderson from the start of the mm. series, if we're being honest. Um, and, you know, not to finish on negative, but Jimmy Anderson looked like a spare part out there today, didn't he? I mean, yep. the, the, there were really eyebrows raised that it wasn't a Josh Tongue in the side who, who did trouble Australia at Lords. 
Um, but yeah, Chris Wokes was fantastic. Do you agree, Josh, that he was player of the series? Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair call, to be honest. Uh, it, was, it was tough, wasn't it? Oh, there's no standout as such, but yeah. as soon as he came into the series he himself and Mark Wood, uh, the complexion of the whole series changed. I mean, we know the circumstances in which the second test finished, but from there, England managed to find some momentum and then it didn't really stop for the remainder of the series, which is a good effort considering it's three test matches in pretty quick time. So a good result from him. And as you said, crucial runs as well along the way. Yeah, I guess for Australia, Usman Kawadra and Mitchell Stark would have been the leading candidates. Stark kind of wins that weird Australian Player of the mm. Series award. I don't know if I've, I've said it on SEN when I've been on air with them that I just think that's a complete waste of time. Why are we kind of handing out participation awards? Uh, but look, it's late here and I'm, I'm going to probably start <laughs> on a rant with that. But it, like he, he, not to take away from Mitchell Stark, um, he had a good, really good series. It was a... Um, when you think about the, you know, back to 2019, he only played one test on this tour and uh, kind of looked like he just wasn't the kind of guy you wanted to bowl in England. It was all about, you know, keeping economy rates down and and that kind of thing. And he had a bit of a, you know, come to Jesus moment, basically, just, you know, deciding that, well, Pat and Josh bowl a certain way. I don't bowl like them. I'm going to be my guy and my own man uh, and do it my way. And he, he's done it his way beautifully in this series. I've just got those stats for you there. 19 wickets for works in three matches and an average of 18.14. Stark from his four matches took 23 wickets as the leading wicket taker in the series and an average of 27. Lisman Kawaja was the leading run scorer for the series with 496 runs, a fantastic return for him. And Moeen Ali today, he's announced after the game that it will be his final test Maybe, Again, <laughs> maybe dot 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 after that, but he took three wickets and he was he was great today. I mean, we thought mm. he might not be able to bowl at all, or, or what he was going to deliver might not be that flash. We thought maybe Joe Root would play an impact, but it was Moen Alley today. His figures today, we finished with three for seventy six from his twenty three overs, but his wickets were Travis Head, Mitch Marsh, and Pat Cummins. So three big ones there to uh, um, send Australia to their demise. And he could have had Steve Smith as well, right? That would have been um, – that was a really interesting moment. Uh, right on the stroke of lunch, uh, Joel Wilson uh, got one wrong, uh, no comment. Um, that kind of came off the, the, the glove of Steve Smith. It, it was a tough one at the time. That kind of came off his glove and went up to Stokes at a, a leg slip. He just moved himself there actually kind of late in the session. So really good field placement from Stokes. Took a really good catch above his head one-handed. And then on the way down and hit it, hit, hit the ball on his right leg. Uh, and then he, he basically decided that he wanted to review it, but he didn't also didn't want to review it. Maybe let's just hear from Ben Stokes himself about what exactly he was trying to do. Um, the review, I reviewed it and I went straight to Kumar and I said, look, I think I've reviewed that on third umpire determining if it was a fair catch or not. I personally wasn't sure if it was. Um, everyone who said he's hit it was sort of just all turned around to the umpire and didn't actually sort of see what had happened. Um, so I went straight to Kuma and said, this review was based on this being a fair catch or not, because I'm not sure if it is. Um, yeah, so that's, that was the whole thing around. I mean, the fact that I had to review it after it was determined that it wasn't a fair catch was something that was for a discussion, but um, that was the whole basis around that, is that I actually personally wasn't sure if, you know, the if it was controlled catch at the time. Um, normally it's my left knee that I'm pissed off at. <laughs> Today it was my right knee. So Smith survived that. Uh, kind of interesting from Stokes that he thinks he can just kind of review things in the way he wants to. He wants to make it a, a purely on the whether it was a catch or not. 
anyway, that's a story for another day. It was um, shades of Herschel Gibbs, wasn't it? I mean, it was exactly the same circumstances where he's caught the ball cleanly. No, I think no one can doubt that, but in his celebration, it's kind of come loose. And exactly right. And the look on his face when you see the replays, he knew straight away. And I don't blame his teammates for, you know, thinking, oh, we need to review it, we need to review it. Uh, because so in the, there was a really good shot from Sky where you can see Stokes take the ball and then you can see it come off his leg and you can see Root at first slip and Stuart brought it backward point, both looking when he takes a catch and then start celebrating immediately uh, and take their eyes off him. Yeah. And that's when the ball comes out and that's when you see Stokes in the same shot, uh, his face just drops. And so he knew immediately that he dropped it. So I don't <laughs> understand even with his explanation why he then reviewed it. Uh, even though Smith had in fact hit it. Not taking away anything from the way Steve Smith batted, it really did look like at one stage him and Travis Head were going to kind of rip the game it did, yeah. apart. And um, and that's why I'm not too harsh on how Australia went today because I think if you combine that with how Warner and Kawaja batted the previous day, you know, then they both nick, nicked off early in that really great woke spell early on. Um, no shame in that because, you know, that was uh, doing plenty. Wokes, I should say, has gotten David Warner out four times in a row. Uh, I think four for 22 since he came into the series. So we, we spent a lot of time talking about Warner versus Broad, but it was actually Wokes bowling from over the wicket. Every, all those dismissals uh, were from over the wicket. Most of them were caught behind. There might have been one chop on in there. So interesting tactical thing that uh, England managed to prosper in a slightly different way against Warner. But um, as I said, 334 in the final innings of a test in a run mm. chase is a really, really good going. Uh, and I reckon Australia will look back at that first innings 295 in 103 overs in probably the best batting conditions of the test. Maybe uh, England, you might say England had the best, you know, between them and England in the second and third innings, that was, um, you know, where the, where the game was kind of decided. Um, it was interesting at the start of this test, Stuart Broad said it would be a first innings versus fourth innings shootout. Um, and England made 283 in the first innings and Australia made, uh, you know, significantly more than that. So didn't quite work out like that. But you look through that scorecard in the first dig, Kawaja again kind of stands out with 47. Smith again stands out with 71. But Warner 24, Labuschagne 9, uh, a really slow 9, 9 of 82. Head out early for 4, Mitchell Marsh 16, Carey 10. That's where it was lost for me. Not enough. Uh, players going on with their starts when Smith and Head had uh, reached well when just before Head fell uh, Australia needed just under 140 runs to win so it looked like with seven wickets in hand the game had certainly shifted in their favour Smith batted really well I mean we know what a class player he is 71 in the first innings as you said 54 of 94 in this innings some fabulous cover drives and he looked like it might be the time to break that fourth innings drought didn't it Lou? It did, yeah. He was batting beautifully. And, you know, even later on when he eventually did get out, you know, Wokes was just relentless and he finally nicked off to him. Um, but, you know, I thought Kerry, uh, the way he kind of shepherded the tail was quite good. Uh, Todd Murphy, another, you know, 18 um, runs. But uh, it probably really brings us to the moment of the day, doesn't it? Because, you know, it was all about England from, from that point on, even though Australia's tail did hang around for a little bit. So that brings us into our moment of the day, brought to you by Qantas. I'm going to tee you up here again, Josh, because you're very good at these moments. For of the one day. last time. For one last time. Well, hopefully we'll have Qantas on board. Qantas, if you're listening, please keep sponsoring our podcast for eternity. We're very grateful. <laughs> Qantas, the spirit of Australia, official airline of the Australian cricket team, favourites of the Unplayable podcast, proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to nearly 100 destinations, but... 95 destinations is pretty close uh, all around the globe. Josh, what was the moment of the day? 
What had to be the retiring Stuart Broad, didn't it? Uh, with two weeks to go, uh, he was thrown the ball by Ben Stokes and the crowd, uh, they were getting loud by that point anyway, but they got even louder when he was chucked the ball from the members end of the ground here, the Mickey Stewart members pavilion end of the ground. And he just bowled brilliantly. I mean, batters couldn't get near him. As you said, the ball was very old, but he was getting it to shape away. He was bowling to exclusively left-handers at this stage. Alex Carey was batting with Todd Murphy and some of these balls were nipping in and flying away and off cutters and out swingers and the whole lot. He put on the whole show. And so after half a dozen play and misses to Todd Murphy, Stuart Broad decided he needed a change of luck, which we saw earlier in the match as well. He decided to flip the bales this time at the bowler's end of the wicket, not the batter's end, and the crowd all saw it. And there was this great theatre moment and, of course, that very next ball he charges in, finds the outside edge. Johnny Bairstow, to his credit, takes a very good diving catch mm. to his left and uh, the crowd erupts. It wasn't that much longer later that he got Alex Carey's edge in similar fashion and uh, Stuart Broad took the final two wickets for a pretty pleasing, at least for English fans, moment of the day. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, the whole crowd erupted and you just couldn't begrudge him that moment because, you know, 384 was always going to be a lot of runs for Australia to get. I mean, the whole place just went nuts and I kind of remember thinking during the World Test Championship final, well, you know, the, all the Indian fans and the atmosphere that they brought was just electric and it was just fantastic to be here. And I, I just thought the over couldn't get louder than that. I'm like, well, I loved, I just loved this venue uh, and kind of thought, you know, that that's as good as we'll get. Well, today was even louder and really? it was even better. Yeah, I reckon it was. Yep. Yeah, I know you weren't weren't over here for the World Test Championship final, but um, uh, yeah, I think I think it topped even that um, just as a, as a really great moment for, for cricket and as a champion of the game. I mean, we saw Moeen Ali... Uh, do what he did and, um, you know, have a great last day in Test cricket. Um, you know, and, and Stuart Broad deserved that. So well done, Stuart Broad. One of my favourites. Be sad to never see him do it again. <laughs> and I have a feeling that bail trick might be uh, seen a lot more moving forward, what, especially at local cricket. What is this? I mean, so he said it was like an Australian thing where it's a change of luck. I can't say I've ever no, seen that I've in Australian cricket. Either. Have you seen it in club cricket? or? No, never heard of it. And I think Stuart uh, admitted in the post-match press conference that he probably made it up. Well, this is what we're talking about. This is why we called him an agent of chaos yesterday. He just like... When he's not involved in things, he just gets involved and it <laughs> happens with his bowling. He's just like, give me the ball. I'm going to take a bunch of wickets in a, in a row. Yeah. Uh, if and he's if, not bowling, he asks for a new ball from the umpire. Exactly, exactly. And if he's, you know, if he's fielding, he'll go and change the bales or he'll just be a pest. I mean, we all know a Stuart Broad in our lives uh, <laughs> and it's just, it's just kind of sad that we won't see the real one on the field anymore. But I dare say we'll see him around cricket quite a bit. I think he's got a a good commentary career uh, future in um, in broadcasting and who knows, maybe you could be an unplayable podcast guest or host. Maybe when you resign I can, I'll ask <laughs> Stu if he wants to do a podcast. Well, yeah, the seat's empty, so uh, yeah. up to you, Stuart. Um, this has been the Unplayable Podcast. It's 2-2, the series finishes, and a memorable Ashes series, one of the best in recent memories, that's for sure. My name has been Josh Honefinger. I've been joined by Louis Cameron. Thank you, Louis, for all your company throughout the series. And uh, we want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. If you have listened uh, throughout and you've made it to this stage of the podcast as well, please leave a rating. It really helps us and it lets Qantas know that it's a, a good deal for them as well. And uh, we're not really sure when we'll be back on the Unplayable podcast, but there are quite a few tours coming up. So if you uh, hit that subscribe button, you'll get notified when we do return to your eardrums. And once again, thank you for all your company throughout this Ashes series. We've certainly enjoyed bringing it to you. And for one last time, this has been the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia.